I appreciate it. I'd shake your hand, but my hands are full of uh, Bible, uh, iPad, and water. You know, I did something a little dangerous earlier uh, in the first service. I, uh, I walked up here, and I bent over publicly and put that water down. When you're my age and my size, you don't bend over publicly. <laughs> it's just too risky. Uh, it's, uh, plus, your voice changes. Have you guys noticed that when you bend over, your voice changes? <laughs> but uh, I... So anyway, I'm trying to, um, uh, to just keep myself under control here, and I'm delighted to be here. Let me tell you something. Some of you are a little concerned probably because it's the unknown, okay? Oh, my goodness. Pastor Jeff is not here. Pastor Gene is not here. Oh, my goodness. This guy is going to keep us a long time. Let me tell you something. You are going to beat the Methodist to the restaurant. Amen? <laughs> All right, so rest assured, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17, we're going to look at verses 17 through 24. The title of the message is Bold Prayer. This morning I want to share with you what it means to pray a bold prayer, and I want to encourage you to ask God for great things. Now what does it mean to be bold? To be bold means to take risks to have confidence, to have courage. Someone who is bold is someone who is brave, valiant, maybe in some cases even, <clears throat> even fearless. Bold people have marked our history. Helen Keller was a woman of boldness. Uh, Martin Luther King was a man of boldness. Winston Churchill was a man of boldness. During Hitler's reign of terror, Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a bold voice of the church against Nazism. Our generation has not known a more bold voice than the voice of Billy Graham. The voice of Billy Graham continues to ring in our ears, and we can hear him even now as he has been with the Lord for only a few weeks. The greatest and most bold of all, of course, is the one we've been singing about this morning, and let me just stop right here and say this and get you to respond. Is the music of this church just outstanding? Would you just thank the Lord for the music? I'm serious. I, look here, don't get used to that, really. Do not get used to that. If you're not careful, it can play in your head like music in the mall. And, and you don't need to do that because the, God has blessed this church musically and blessed each and every one of you. So thank God for that. In the pages of the Old Testament, there are men and women of boldness. I don't know that there's anyone more bold in the Old Testament than Elijah. Elijah had some victorious moments. He had some moments that weren't so victorious. Uh, you might remember that, that uh, he uh, hid under a juniper tree and he asked God to, that he might die and, and, and those kinds of things. So he had some moments that weren't so uh, victorious. But in the course of his storied life, he had... Uh, some tremendous times of boldness and great victory. One of the victories that he enjoyed was when God sent him uh, to a brook, and you can pronounce that brook's name uh, Cherith or Kirith or Kerith, um, and, and it was during the time of famine, and he went there, and, and the, the Bible says that, that a, a bird fed him there, and he dwelled by the brook, and then the brook dried up, and the bird quit coming, and he thought, okay, this is the end of that. And God said, no, I want you to go and, and uh, go to Zarephath, and there you're going to meet a woman, and she has a son, <clears throat> and these two are going to be a blessing in your life. 
and uh, you'll be fed. I will feed you through these two. Well, he went there, and sure enough, he found the woman, and he found the, the, her boy uh, with her, and they were dying of starvation just like he was dying of starvation. But God did a miraculous thing through uh, their lives. So there established a, a history of, of bold and great things that happened in and through the life of Elijah. One of the greatest things is what happened after he had been dwelling with the widow at Zarephath for a while. There was a room that was prepared actually on the rooftop of the house where she and her boy lived for him to live. And he stayed there and, and God allowed the, the meal to not fail and the oil never gave up and there was always provision for them. But one day something very bad happened in the life of this woman. And it brought about a time of prayer for Elijah that may be unmatched in the Bible other than the prayers of Jesus. 1 Kings 17 and verse 17. After this the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by, by killing her son? And then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God. And that the word of the Lord uh, in your mouth is the truth. Well, the first thing <clears throat> that we're going to see is something that happened to this woman that happens to every one of us. She encountered a crisis of life. If you're a note taker, that's the first note that you'll want to take. She encountered a crisis of life. Now, a life crisis can cause us to go through a lot of difficult times. It can cause us to go through a period of self-examination. It can cause us to go through doubt. It can cause us to have all kinds of issues when we come upon a crisis. But I want to tell you, everybody is going to have a crisis. Everybody is going to have trouble. And listen to this, not only is everybody going to have trouble, but they're going to have more trouble. Uh, there was more trouble. This woman had been through a lot already. She and her son had about starved. The famine had taken her, <clears throat> her and her son to the brink of starvation before Elijah came along. And, and now her son falls mysteriously ill and actually dies. Trouble happens like that. Trouble is a part of life. As surely as God has blessed your life, God will allow some troubles to come to your life. Now this isn't a message about why bad things happen to good people, but it's the truth. Bad things do happen <clears throat> to good people, and it happens all the time. There's an expert in the Bible on troubles. His name is Job. Here's what Job said in chapter 5 and verse 7 of the book of Job. Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. As sure as sparks fly up out of a fire, people are born to trouble. We're going to have trouble in our lives. 
You're going to have trouble. I'm going to have trouble. In fact, let's just say that together. I'm going to have trouble. Let's say it. I'm going to have trouble. Let's say it like we know that we've got trouble coming. I'm going to have trouble. We all are. All of us are going to have trouble. And that trouble is going to bring on extreme sorrow. Sometimes we, we think about the sorrows of life. We think about what life would be like if we lost this one or if we lost that one. There's, there's probably not a mother in this room who hasn't gotten up in the middle of the night and gone to that newborn baby and put your head down over that baby's ear to make sure the baby's still breathing. We've all done that. And the reason is because it would be extreme sorrow to lose that child. We've all gone through different kinds of sorrow and we've speculated on what sorrow would be like and, and what it would be to lose this loved one or, or uh, that <clears throat> loved one. But I want you to know that all of us are going to have sorrows and they are going to bring on extreme sadness. I won't ask you to raise your hand right now, but if I did, if I said, would everyone in this room who's had a time of extreme sadness in your life because of sorrow and loss and trouble, would you please, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but would you raise your hand? If you were honest, every hand in this room would go up because we are born to sorrow. We are born to trouble. Just as sure as the sparks fly up, we are born to trouble. Now, do you know what happens a lot of times? When trouble comes, we think about our guilt. We start feeling guilty about something. And we start trying to say, I wonder why this trouble came. Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my loved one? Why did this thing happen? In fact, that's exactly what this woman thought. In verse 18, she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my <clears throat> sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. Now there was something as she was holding her dead child that she was thinking about. There was something in her past life or maybe something in her present life. And she said, this is why I've lost my child. This is the reason. She had a certain guilt over some aspect of her life and she felt like somehow or another, I'm now being paid back for what I did wrong earlier in my life. And that too is a normal feeling. The sad thing about that is that we have a tendency to feel guilty for those things that God has already forgiven. God, the Bible says that when he forgives our sins, that he removes them as far as the east is from the west. That's pretty far, isn't it? The Bible says that he takes our sins and he hides them behind our back and remembers them no more. Yet even though God has taken our sins as far as the west to the east from each other, from him, and even though God has hidden our sins behind his back, we have a tendency to say, yes, but I still remember and I know this is why and I can't forgive myself. I think that's where this woman was. She didn't understand that real forgiveness is real forgiveness. I have a little saying that I use that it's all of grace or it's not of grace at all. And when God gave me his amazing grace and forgiveness, God gave me all the grace that I need for my life. Now that doesn't mean that I can go out and just live like hell the rest of my life and not even think about it. 
I want to live out of gratitude for the Lord, but I want you to know something. God's grace is on my life, not because of the kind of life that I live, but because of the Savior who I receive, Jesus Christ, my Savior. Here's a good illustration of grace and how it ought to work and how we should be able to move on and, and get on with our lives. <clears throat> In 2001, there was a man <clears throat> who was running the Office of Public Liaison for President George W. Bush. His name was Tim Gagline. And Tim Gagline had a daily audience with the president, just about a daily audience with the president. Well, <clears throat> that all ended on February the 29th, 2008. A well-known blogger uncovered that some of Gagline's published articles, 27 out of 39, were completely plagiarized. He had plagiarized articles and he had published them in his name. And when that fact came out by uh, <clears throat> mid-afternoon the next day, uh, Gagline's career was over. He had no more career at the White House. Now, Gagline was devastated by this, but what happened next shocked him, absolutely shocked him. It gave him an illustration of life and God's grace, but it shocked him. He was summoned to the Oval Office. He went to the Oval Office, and President George W. Bush was sitting behind the, his desk, and Gagline opened the door, and he <clears throat> closed the door behind him, and he turned to the president, and he said, I owe you an... And immediately, the president put his hand up and he said, Tim, you are forgiven. And Tim was shocked and, and he said, but, but sir. And then the president interrupted him again and said, stop. Here's what he said. I have known grace and mercy in my life and you are forgiven. Now we should understand that when God forgives us, and God gives us his grace and mercy, the trouble that may be coming to our lives may not necessarily be because of some past sin or some guilt. God forgives the sinner. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And just like Tim Gagline was forgiven by President Bush, we are forgiven if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. We are forgiven. But it's a natural thing to try and remember our transgressions. And it's a hard thing to fight against it. And this widow at Zarephath, she was certain that her child had died because of something that was in her life. So there was a crisis in life. We're all going to have them. You're going to have them. I'm going to have them. I'm going to have more. You're going to have more. We try to insure against them. We try to protect ourselves against them. But they are going to come. And oftentimes they're worse than we thought they were going to be. But in addition to a crisis in life, there's also a confidence in God. Now who had confidence in God in our story? Well, Elijah had confidence in God. The woman had come to a crisis in life and Elijah had confidence in God. Elijah <clears throat> does what any believer should do when faced with a crisis. He entreated or he petitioned God. He went to the Lord. Now, this prayer that he gave was bold and courageous. I read it earlier, but now that you get the setting of what we're trying to say, let me read just the verses of the prayer now and and. And see the boldness and the, <clears throat> the faith in Elijah's prayer, verse 19 of our text. And he said to her, give me your son. Now that's key right there. If you underline in your Bible, underline that, circle it. Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord. 
O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. <clears throat> now the first thing that happens is a bold action. This is a tremendously bold action. Did you, did you notice again that the child was in her arms? How small was this child? A small enough child that she could carry, this woman could carry this child in her arms. Now the child is dead and the woman is devastated and she's standing in the, <clears throat> in the living area of her house. Just absolutely devastated, probably hysterical. Why have you come to me? Have you come to visit my sin upon me? Is this the reason that my child is dead? Why have you come to me? And Elijah does something very bold. Elijah looks at her and says, give me the child. You ever been at a deathbed and, and clung to that one that, that had passed away and, and rocked back and forth and it hurt you so bad that you had lost that one and you just held as long as you could? This mother was clinging to her child. And Elijah said, give me your child. The boy. I want the boy. But his body is still warm. I, I want to I hold him as long as his body is Give me your child. But he's not breathing. I, I, I've just got to. Give me your child. And he took that little boy from that mother. And he walked outside of the house, out of the sight of that mother with that little boy that she had just held in her arms. And he walked up the stairs to a room that was on top of the house. And he went into that room <clears throat> and he took that child and he laid that child out on to the bed. And that mother is left downstairs with not even a vision now of her child. Her child has been completely removed and she is in hysteria. He doesn't tell her what's going to happen. Just give me your child. And then Elijah does something that adds to the bold action. In fact, this is the point of the message. Elijah prays a bold prayer, a magnificent prayer. Elijah had such an extraordinary confidence in God that he, he laid down and, and, and prayed a prayer to God that this child's life would come back in him. Now today, <clears throat> and I'll grant you, I, I, I'll grant you this. Today, if someone was dead and somebody came to the funeral home and they laid their hands on the person in the casket and they prayed that life would come back into them, we'd give them a wide berth. But that's exactly what Elijah did. He prayed a bold prayer. He made first his petition. He prayed for the woman's burden. Oh God, I, I want to I ease the burden of this dear woman. <clears throat> I want to see this woman's burden. She's gone through enough. She need not go through more. And then he prayed for the child's life and he went straight to the heart of the request. I mean, he went right to it. He said, God, I want this child to live again. I want this child who, who was in the arms of his mother, dead in the arms. I want this child to live again, God. 
bring life back <clears throat> to this child. Let me tell you something. That was not an easy prayer. We like to pray safe prayers. God, we just ask you to bless our lives and just give us safety. And we just thank you for being all that you are and, and just uh, uh, keep encouraging us, Lord. And may we be a blessing to other people. That's a wonderful prayer. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. But there's not a great deal of boldness in that prayer. At the close of the last service, we invited people to come and kneel. We'll do the same here and to pray their bold prayer, whatever it might be. And many people came and they knelt down and they prayed their bold prayers. One girl who was, uh, uh, knew me, she was in my church when she was in the fourth grade. Her name was Jennifer. Jennifer came down and she found me and she said, would you pray with me? And I said, what do you want me to pray for, Jennifer? And she started naming a few generic things. And I'm not going to tell you what Jennifer's request was. But then she named a specific prayer for which there needed to be a specific answer. And so there had to be a bold prayer. Okay, God, I'm going to ask you for this for Jennifer. I'm going to ask you that you give this to Jennifer. Bless her in this way. Cause her to have this thing. Deal with this in, in your magnificent, omnipotent way, God. You deal with it. Uh, years ago, I was on a, a cruise. Um, it was a, you ever, you ever been on one of those Christian cruises? You, you ever been on one of those Christian? Bunch of heathens. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I, I, but I was on a Christian cruise, and, and the entertainment on Christian cruises is sermons. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a busman's holiday. But anyway, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I went on this Christian cruise, and uh, Bobby Welsh was one of, the, uh, one of the preachers. How many of you know Bobby? Would you raise your hand you know Bobby Welsh? Okay. He is awesome. He is an awesome guy. I love Bobby Welsh. And, and the seas were rocking and rolling and the, the uh, ship was tossing and turning and flipping and going this way and that way. And, and, and I mean to tell you, everybody was woozy. Everybody was. They had, they had barf bags everywhere. I mean, everywhere. At, at dinner, they would roll out the cart with your food and it had barf bags hanging on all four corners. And I, you know, it was just everywhere. And Bobby got up and started to, to preach. And as he was preaching, he went this way then he went this way and this way and this way he was all over the place and then he stopped and as only he can do he said I want everybody to just stop right now I'm going to ask God to calm the sea somebody snickered it was not me Somebody snickered. He said, I'm serious. The snickering stopped. And he cried out to God. He said, God, this is making us sick. I'm trying to preach the word. We need calm seas. God, calm the sea. The sea calmed. I went, yikes. Now that was a bold prayer. I told him in the first service about my, my oldest son. Years ago he was deer hunting and he, oh, he wanted to get a deer. He never caught, shot a deer and wanted a deer so bad, so bad, so bad. Just gotten a new gun and he was out. And it was late in the afternoon. He was the very last little bit before he quit hunting. And, and he just bowed his head and he said, Lord, 
please send me a deer. I haven't seen a deer all day. Please send me a deer. And literally, literally an 18-point buck walked out of the grass. 18, count them, 18-point buck walked out of the grass. And, and Nathan raised his head and said, no way. <laughs> That's the way we pray. No, you didn't do that. Elijah prayed boldly. Brother Bobby prayed boldly. Do you know something? Jesus wants us to pray boldly. He said in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you received it and it'll be yours. He, he said in John 16, 24, until now you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you'll receive it that your joy may be full. James, James wrote that we have not because we what? Ask not. We believe in prayer. We just don't want to crawl out on a limb and pray. When in fact, that's exactly what Elijah did and I believe what God had admonishes us to do. So he prayed with uh, uh, petition and then he prayed with passion. The, the Bible says that he, he stretched himself out over the child. He, he literally laid across the child's body, dead body, not breathing. And prayed with fervor and passion, God, bring back this life into this child. He's a child. Bring back the life into the child. And he prayed it with passion. And he prayed it with persistence. The Bible said that he did this three times. Well, couldn't God have answered on the first time? Yeah, he could have. Well, then... Was there doubt in uh, Elijah's mind that God would answer? Not at all. He just got into the groove of praying and prayed it. Y'all never had a song service and it was so good, you said, we need to sing that verse again. Hmm? Let's just wait a minute. We're going to sing that verse again. Elijah was, was fervent and passionate and persistent in his praying. He had a bold action that that. Uh, was followed by bold prayer. And that was all evidence of his bold faith. Elijah, you know the Bible says that if you have the, the, Jesus said if you have the faith like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Elijah had mustard seed faith. Had there been a mountain that needed to be moved, I believe that day the mountain would have moved because he had that kind of prayer. Let me ask you a question. Where's your mountain? You've got one. You're thinking of it right now. You're thinking, this is the thing that has got to be moved. This is the, the decision that has to be made. This is the change that I'm begging God to give. I've got to find this. I've got to have this. Well, instead of dwelling on and worrying about what you've got to have, ask God to move it. This, this is a, a, a crisis in life is going to come, but somebody's got to have confidence in God. And it might as well be us. If you died today, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? Most of you would say yes. And why? Well, because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I've received Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I'm going to heaven. You can't get any bigger than that. You might as well ask for the other stuff too. Amen? 
Sure. Well, all of this gives us a cause for faith. The reason God gives us examples in Scripture is to embolden our faith. Here's, here's where we are. This is where we are. There is no way that I could ever pray like Elijah prayed because those guys in the Bible were superheroes. They were faster than speeding bullets. They could leap tall buildings at a single bound. They were superheroes. And I just can't do that. I'm not a hero like that. I just can't. Contraire. Here's what James said in verse 16 of James 5. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Watch this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. He was just like you. And just like, look, if, if, it, if it was almost 1130 in the morning and he hadn't had much breakfast, he'd be thinking about lunch. He was like you. And he was like me. But the Bible says of him that there was something about his, his desire to have things from God that he just boldly went to God and prayed. And that's the way that it happens. What happens when people boldly pray? Well, first of all, God hears our prayers. You know, the child's life was returned to him. Well, he must have just been in a deep sleep. Yeah, he was dead asleep. And his life returned to him. You know why? Because God gives the answer. And the most important thing, the woman says, now I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. God gets the glory. Why, don't someone, why doesn't someone here become courageous in God today? Why doesn't someone here say, okay, uh, preacher, I've got this big, big need and I'm going to pray a bold prayer and keep praying it and God's going to give you an answer and I'm going to believe and I'm going to keep praying until I see the answer. I'm going to give this invitation here in just a second and I want you to come. If you're sitting in the balcony, just... Just, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to tell what your need is. I'm not going to, you're not going to say, I just want to invite you when, when the rest of the church is, is, has their heads bowed and, and we're singing and praying to come and kneel at this altar and bring your bold prayer. Husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, young people, singles. I want to ask you to come and, and to bring your prayers here to the altar. There might be somebody that would say, you know what, I want this to be my church. I want to ask you to come. Brother Brad will be here at the front. I want to ask you to come and, 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 and talk to him about what it means to be a part of Judson Baptist Church. There may be somebody here who said, the prayer I'm stuck on is the salvation prayer. I just don't really know for sure that if I died, I'd go to heaven. Please come and see Brad and just say that. Just say, I don't know for sure that if I died, I'd go to heaven. 
and Brad will take it from there and show you how that you can have a transaction between your heart and God's ear and you can receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today. Let us walk out of here bolder in our faith than we walked in. Shall we bow our heads for prayer? Every head bowed, please, and every, every eye closed. We're going to sing. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And I'm going to invite you to come. And I'm going to ask you not to sit there and wait on somebody else, but just go ahead and come and do what God says do. And I want to ask you to bring your bold prayer to the altar. I'm going to ask you to obey the Lord. My daddy used to say, mind your mother. I want to ask you to mind the Lord. And I want to ask you to begin a quest for a new boldness in your prayers and petitions to God. Let's stand for prayer. Father, I pray that as each man and each woman, each young person in this room now, determine that there is that, that mountain-sized need in their lives, I pray that they will also determine that they will bring that God-sized needs, uh, need to you and that they would offer it up in prayer and they would not hesitate but they would believe that you are the same God that you were that raised this little boy up and returned him to his mother uh, by the way of Elijah's prayer and intercession. I pray for those who may not know for certain of their eternal salvation. I pray that they will come and others who really should make Judson Baptist their church home. I pray that they will come and talk to Brad and find out what it means to be a part of Judson Baptist. Lord, we give you this invitation time for your honor and your glory alone. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to come. Just step out. The music is going to start, and you just step out from where you are without hesitation and come and pray your bold prayer at this altar. It may be for a child. It may be for a grandchild. It may be for finances. It may be for your health. It may be for someone's salvation. Just mind the Lord and obey Him as we go to the Lord, as, as we sing uh, in our songs.